Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad to have you tonight. You missed out. We had awesome chili. We had awesome, uh, we had, uh, what is that, fried eggplant, which was awesome. We had hoagies. We have all kinds of condiments, all kinds of stuff. We have, uh, what is it, uh, raviolis. We got cream and, and shortcake and peaches. I mean, come on. It, it's everything you need in life. You could you could just eat that and survive. So, And homegrown vegetables, which are awesome and amazing by Bonnie and Steve. So, mostly Bonnie. Uh, so... He wished them well, and uh, so just to start off, I um, want to thank everybody for joining us in chat, also for everybody for joining us last week uh, or Wednesday uh, for that show. Uh, that show did exactly what I thought it was going to do. There was a lot of people that came out of the woodwork that were very thankful and appreciative and, and all of that, but then also lost tons of followers and tons of listeners. I knew it would happen, uh, but at the same time, many people called me who said, man, I'm so glad you did that because now I have the bravery and the information to move forward, you know, and, and get that kind of treatment myself. You don't know what I'm talking about. Listen to it. It's Wednesday show. Um, also, uh, I want to send out a quick uh, prayer for a couple of people uh, who are in the great fight. Of course, Chris Cahalan, I think, goes tomorrow. Uh, his levels have, have um, not been good. And so he uh, I was, had a pleasure of having a long conversation with him the other day. He's still He's still Chris. He's still Chris. So, um, so we're praying for that tomorrow and, and that there would be some options that would help him. And then uh, also for Mrs. Betty Campanella. Uh, the Campanellas have been near, to, near and dear to me for 30 years and, uh, and to my family. Just an amazing, amazing couple. They raised amazing kids who became dear, dear friends of mine. And uh, Mrs. Campanella has been diagnosed with leukemia, and uh, she's in her 80s, and she's in ICU right now. So it's been a rough, uh, rough 24 hours, and so we just continue prayer for her and her family. Lovely, lovely family. Now, also we also continue to pray for Carson and Cole and the Sellers family, and and uh, so many others. Our our brother Don, that he would heal up enough to be able to come back and be with us, and all of that. So we have people here with full bellies. Uh, and full hearts, they're just about sleepy, but this is not a sermon you're going to fall asleep on, uh, and then we have people listening all around the world. I so appreciate so many, oh yeah, one of our uh, folks in chat actually knows Betty, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah, 
Yeah, God bless her um, and the family. Um, so this is not going to be the easiest sermon ever to listen to for you, but that's okay because sometimes these are the kind of topics. And there's all kinds of things that happened, you know, over the past several weeks in my life, in my personal life, that kept bringing us to light and bringing us to light. And I remembered um, – it, well, let me just say this. This is a topic most people don't even like to think about, let alone talk about, but they will lie about it. And it's the seven levels of lying, L-Y-I-N. And Christians like you and me, we could do with a dose of a two-by-four in the face every now and then on the topic of lying. And at some point, as followers of the way, we have to be truly honest with ourselves and with each other. And if we aren't truly honest with ourselves and each other, we'll never find the foot of the cross, honestly. If, if your life is nothing but lies, you will not find the foot of the cross. You'll be so obscured with so many things. And we'll talk about that. And I'm telling you, this is going to be as raw as it gets. It's going to come at you hard and fast. And this is a hard look at myself as well as the rest of the world. And I see no point in going easy on it. Now, within the community of people of faith, there's more lying than there ever was before. And, and you know, that's just a fact. There is more lying within the, the, the faith community than ever before. And I'm going to I'm going to tell you about some of that and how that happens. Um, and, and it really it has to stop because right now our world is falling apart. I mean it is it is absolutely falling apart because it's just together with a web of lies. And if you're a whiner, you just can't handle re real truth in your face. It's probably not probably best tuned to another station tonight, just because this one's probably not for you, or maybe it's definitely for you. So tell your friends, tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your employees, your employer to listen and share it. And by the way, next week. Uh, we'll be here uh, in Newark, right on the edge of Hokesson. If you're in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, or New Jersey area, you ought to come. You'll be treated, if you want to be treated like a king or queen, um, and you'll be fed full belly. You'll have nice, comfortable seats to sit in. It's a wonderful place. The Stabley's are amazing hosts. Um, I, I am going to say there, there, are, there are some points tonight that you may have questions about. Feel free to send them to me if you're on the blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor page put it in comments make a comment or go to the ninjapastor.com hit the contact me and that goes right to me and I'd be I'd be more than happy to answer your questions anything like that if you happen to know me personally send me a text or send me an email directly at smgreener at gmail.com so here it is the seven levels of lying we lie more than we think and that's part of the problem there's a lady by the name of Sarah Sumner. Now, I don't know if she still writes, but I think it's almost 10 years ago now. Wrote an article. I'm not a huge fan of Christianity Today, the magazine Christianity Today. It's just not my favorite. Uh, no reason to go into that now, but I, I, I don't wish them any ill will, but it, it's just not my thing. However, this young lady, uh, Sarah Sumner, really good writer. And I like her because, and, and after this article, as I'm reflecting, I read several of her things before this article, and it seems like nothing since. Hmm, I wonder why. Um, she wrote this article that it really did stick with me. Uh, I, and, uh, you know, you guys know I have a brain injury, so I remember bits and pieces of it. I tried to find it, and I couldn't find it. So I'm going off of some of my memory, and, and I was taking kind of frantic notes as I would remember. Oh, i got to write that down, uh, bits and pieces of it. But I did remember the seven things, and it's online. Uh, Christians, really, and lying. Look, the, the the regular world, the 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 natural world, the secular world, the people that don't believe in in God or Christ or or in our faith at all, uh, what's the difference if they lie? They don't have. What? Who cares? They're not subject to the same the same expectation. So if they lie, big deal. That's no big deal. 
So what? So I'm not preaching to them. Now, I'm not, so if you're out there and you happen to tune in, we've got this whole big atheist group that listens to me every week. There's 13 of them that sit in a room, um, and they listen to this broadcast every Sunday. It blows my mind. It just absolutely amazes me. And um, and I appreciate them doing it. And they're so respectful when they send me questions. They're not sending me trick questions or trap questions. They are very respectful, and, and we have nice exchange, and I really, really like it. And by the way, two weeks ago, or uh, yeah, la- not this week, but last week, yeah, uh, we sent one of them a Bible. Said they never touched the Bible. They don't have any money. So uh, you guys did that. You made that happen. Praise God. So she wrote this article, Christians and Lying. Every person on the planet at times, though, is an Oscar-winning liar. Every single person, Christian or otherwise, we've look. You know, if I asked the show of hands, who in here has lied ever in their life? All the hands would go up, except for the liars that are still lying. And and the question is too, I think, and it's important to consider: haven't we all lied and we haven't been caught? We've lied and we haven't been caught. We've never been caught. Maybe it was a lie a long time ago. Maybe a small lie, big lie, whatever. Maybe it was a lie today, yesterday, two weeks ago, whatever. Uh, you haven't been caught. Maybe it was maybe it was in your childhood. Maybe it was in your early adulthood. Who knows? I don't know. What, I don't know what circumstances are, but I think that it's too highly likely uh, that we're all in this boat, myself included. As the Bible says, there is no one righteous, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. That's Romans three ten through thirteen. If you don't believe me, I'm not lying about that. You can look it up. Now, my family and my real, real, real friends uh, and, and I, aware of this reality. We made sort of an informal pact. If either of us lies to each other, we're committed to confessing the lie within three days. Now, maybe the most common lie is to tell myself I can do things in less time than I actually can. But lying to myself, really, I lie to myself first because I really, I believe that I can. You know, you guys know why because I have no, I don't even know what time it is now except for I know my show starts at 530. So lying to myself in this way sets me up to lie to others, whoever that other person is. How many times have I told my loved wife, uh, I'm going to arrive at a certain time, certain place, and I'm going to do something that she requests of me, which, to be honest, she doesn't ask much of me. Uh, when in my heart, I really I wasn't excited about doing that thing or going to that place. I really wasn't. And uh, whatever it was, I just wasn't excited about it. Now, obviously, with my brain injury, I don't ever really know what day it is. Or the other, It caught me by surprise. It was uh, Friday, and I still thought it was Thursday. I had no idea it was Friday. I woke up Friday and I thought it was Thursday. All day long I thought it was Thursday. And uh, it was just a crazy, crazy day. Anyway, so I, I, you know, it doesn't get me off the hook, though. So the author of this article, uh, Sarah Sumner, wrote this. I told him I'd be there, but I wasn't. She's talking about her husband. So this resonated with her. My husband learned, he has learned not to trust me because my, and because my actions don't always line up with my words. Now, how many of you have ever known somebody like that? Their actions just don't line up with the words. Their words, uh, somebody suggested in chat, Nancy Pelosi should leave then. Well, aren't you right? And I'm going to talk about that. You know, politicians, it's become political speak, right? Nuancing all this stuff to lie to their constituents, lie to us. And, and that's got to stop. We've got to hold our feet to the fire. You know, you can't, you can't call a politician a liar anymore. You just can't do it. Can't do it. That's considered unkind and disrespectful. Yeah, when their lips are moving. Not all of them, but most of them, and that's an unfortunate thing, and we'll have to deal with that. So she says, uh, uh, because her actions don't always line up with her words. And the thing is, the crazy, crazy thing is, she says this, to justify myself, I like to view my tardiness as a minor character flaw. Now, how many of you know somebody that's late for everything? They'll have a thousand excuses. Here is, I'm late, but here's why. 
It's every, well, I got to get everybody else in my house ready. What happens when nobody else is in the house? It's still late. Well, I'm so responsible for so many things I have to do. What happens if somebody else takes some of those things? It's still late. I just think if you say, okay, I'll be there. At, I'm supposed to be to work at 9, but you're there at 9.08, 9.03, 9.05. You lied to your employer. You made a deal up front. When I had a guy work for me that lived almost two hours away. Remember Wes? Uh, Brazilian West, not West that's here. And I know I was going to say West. So West uh, was from Brazil, and he lived he lived way northwest Philadelphia, but way on the other side. It, was, it took us about two hours to get to his house. And this guy would leave for work in the wee hours of the morning, and he'd be on time. He'd be early, wouldn't he? That guy would be early. He'd have a big smile on his face. He'd be have a great attitude. He was just awesome. And if he was then 10 minutes early, he felt like he was late. He was just really conscientious. I always loved that. I knew I could trust the guy. You can't trust people that are just never, never on time. Make an effort. you got to make an effort. I know I talked about that last week, but it's a big thing. And with Christians, we make a joke about that. But if we've committed to be somewhere on time, then we need to find a way to do it. So she says, in other words, I'd like to be truthful about the selfishness that characterizes my way of managing time. Early in our marriage, this is uh, Sarah Sumner, I argued vehemently that lateness and lying are unrelated matters. I didn't want to see the truth because the truth indicted me. Now, it's not fun to be reminded of the humbling fact that everybody needs to be prompted, indeed, regularly goaded to be truthful in our speech and in our hearts. It starts with little things. It starts with little things. We're going to talk about that. All of us are susceptible. Now, that's me too. I'm not saying this. I'm not casting this broad net out there that I'm not also included in. I, I'm telling you I'm included in this group. We all know what it's like to take refuge in the escape route of lying. We all know that sometimes that was the easy way out, and we took it. When it goes unchecked, we hardly even notice how far we've drifted. See, that's the thing. It starts with a small, and then it ends up big. We've probably all seen a leader that intimidates and blames instead of owning the mistake that everybody knows the leader made. Everybody knows the person made this mistake, did this wrong, but there's always some deflection, some diffraction. There's, there's always some other, it's like a shell game, you know, that little magic shell game that, that gets put into place. Don't, you know people like this. I know you may have worked for them. Lying is more perilous than it seems. It's more Satan-like than Christ-like. See, that's the thing. It is Lying is more Satan-like than it is Christ-like. Yes, we're referred to Satan as a liar and father of lies. That's in John 8, 44. But by contrast, Jesus, Yeshua Hamashiach, declared himself to be the truth. But Dr. Sean, aren't there exceptions? Well, the prophet Jeremiah said the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately wicked. That's in Jeremiah 17.9. Well, what's so indicative of our human fallen state is the universal tendency to minimize the treachery of lying. We always do that. Well, it's a little white lie. First of all, I think that's racist. Why? You know, come on, who made that up? I know white is intended to be pure, but why is white pure? We want certain forms of lying to be okay. See, that's what we do. We want people to think we're still a truthful person, even though we've created a web of lies. But it may be about something specific. Maybe your whole life you say, well, I'm not a liar. I just lied about this one thing because I didn't want to hurt you, or I didn't want to this, or I didn't want to that, or I didn't want to seem crazy. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But we do. We want certain forms of lying to be okay, and we're quick Christian, the only problem with knowing the Bible is you know the Bible, and sometimes in situations like this, you use you use examples out of context. We are quick to remember Rahab, and how about Corey Ten Boom? We cite them as saintly liars. Now, I'm not saying they're bad people. They're amazing people. They did amazing things, but there's more to that picture than meets the eye. 
Or maybe we say that refusing to lie is somewhere, somehow, refusing to lie, this just popped in my head, refusing to lie is somehow, in itself, unloving. If I didn't lie, hey man, look, if this is how it goes. Hey man, I didn't want to hurt her or him by divulging this or that truth, so I will lie to protect them, to protect their feelings. We'll say, hey man, I don't know why it's always hey man, it's hippie town, I guess, where I'm going in my head. Hey man, I, I don't want the drama. So I just let it ride. They won't know, so it's actually better for them. This way they, they avoid the pain of dealing with the lie. Now, more than one person in my personal experience expressed to me a concern that if we all told the truth all the time, we'd just be plain rude. People would look at If we told the just plain out, uncensored, unmitigated, un-nuanced un, uh, truth, if we did that, We'd look crazy. People would think we were weird or crazy. And, and, and in the article, she brings this up. Uh, Sarah uh, Sumner brings this up. The 1997 comedy, Liar, Liar. Anybody ever see that? Jim Carrey. I don't watch anything he's in now. Intent, uh, he, he's, I boycott that dude. Uh, but, but that came to mind. Uh, and Carrey's character, he gives this comical rendition of what happens when people are so honest that they don't edit what they say about others. They don't. I got my hair cut this week. I went to Cheryl down, down in Rehoboth, and she did a great job. She's awesome. But I still know I have a gigantic bald spot, and I still know I'm receiving. I would love anything to have your hair. If you don't even know how much I would ha I would wear my hair just like you if I still could. I would, straight up. My son, Doyle, you know, people are shocked he has long hair, and people are like, well, what do you think of that? I'm like, are you kidding me? He tried to get it cut one time. I said, no, don't cut the hair. Just keep it nice. Keep it cut nice. Keep it looking nice. I don't care for the man bun. I think that's weird, but whatever. Uh, but it's still a beautiful head of hair. And if I could have hair like that, you would be looking at Pastor Sean with longer hair. It's just the truth. I'm not going to try to lie because that's what this is about. Here's the thing. I I, I really wonder. I do. I wonder if we're defensive about every day, here we go with the racist white lies, because we're too lazy to find a creative way to speak the truth in love. Now, my hair cutter, she was honest with me. Now you've got to show me all your hair. That's just hurtful. That's just hurtful. Look at that. Uh, boy, I'm feeling worse by the moment. So, so the thing is, is you know, I'm sitting in the chair with Cheryl, and she's a, a lovely human being. She's a really, really good person, and she's a, an expert at what she does, really and truly. And you know how they do that thing where they hand you the mirror and they spin you around in the chair, and what do you, what do you look, look, look the back? I don't ever want to do that. I never want to do that. The last time I was there, or two times before, she said, "Hey, let me just show you this little product we have. It's pretty cool, and it's the spray or some kind of dusty on stuff." That covers the bald spot. It's the darndest thing. You can't even tell. And she expertly put it in my hair. And it was a little bit sticky, a little bit weird. But she said it won't get on your clothes. Once it's on, it stays. And then you wash your hair, it comes off. And I was like, wow. I was really shocked. But then I thought, you know what? I do have a bald spot. And before long, I would be using a whole can every time I, you know, I want to go somewhere. You know, but I could see the point in it. Maybe if you have lights on you. Uh, sometimes when you go to speak places, they have television and all that stuff, and those lights are hot. I don't know if you guys know that. Super, super hot. I was on Atlanta Live one time sitting on the couch, and I was, you know, I wore my normal outfit that I wear, the cowboy outfit and the cowboy shirt and the cowboy jacket and the pants and the boots and all this stuff. I'm telling you, I sat on that couch. I thought I was going to melt. I was losing weight right in front of those people. Those lights are hot. So I thought, that might be good. 
you know, maybe not. But then I thought, that's not authentic. It's not real. Now, obviously, you get your hair cut. You try to look as good as you can. You do. You dress a certain way. You don't wear – I always uh, – people tell me all about this. Don't wear if, – if you're, if you're – you know, you don't want to accentuate your weight. Don't wear certain – I can never figure out what stripes to wear, what not to wear, what colors to wear, what not to wear. So I just wear it, and somebody says, oh, you might do better with this or that, and I don't remember it for five seconds. I tell myself I'm going to remember, and then I don't remember. So I just go with what I got and just live with it. So if I look fat, I'm I'm probably fat. If I look bald, I am, in fact, bald. But we had this conversation about that, and I said, nah, yeah, I like how it looks. It's cool that you were able to cover that up, and even I know that I have a giant bald spot, but I can't really tell at the moment. But I like that she gave me an option. I like she's such a pro, such a professional. So what she does is she she professionally does my hair in a way that it's going to look the best it can. But she doesn't lie to me. She's never lied to me in all the time. A friend of mine introduced me to her, and, and I've been going to her ever since. Uh, and she's far. She's an hour and a half ride for me. And so, uh, but I've been going to her because she's honest with me. She does a great job. She does a great job. She's just the best. And, but she doesn't lie to me. She says, yep, your hair is receding, and yep, you do have a bald spot, but we'll work around it. We'll do the best we can. I love that. So what I found is it's far better and less painful to tell the whole truth in the first place than to have to revisit our lie, to build on our lie. However loving we've deluded ourselves that we're being by lying to the other person, by telling them something that's not true. But you, you tell a lie, and we'll go on to uh, this in a, in a second. I'll leave that sit for let it simmer on the back burner. The truth hurts. This I just thought of this. The truth hurts for a while, but a lie is excruciating forever. Because what does a lie? You find out somebody's lied to you. You just search your soul. You don't have to raise your hand or speak. But think. I want you to think about this. Now, I'll say this again. The truth hurts for a while, but a lie hurts forever. How many times have you been vulnerable to someone? You love them. They're your friend. You know, maybe your your spouse, your love wife or your love husband, your children maybe, or somebody, your close, close friend, your best friend maybe. And you know they had a, they told you a lie, and that lie went on and on, and then all of a sudden you found out about the lie. And I'll tell you what, you can't turn the Titanic around in a teacup. It is hard to be lied to to make yourself vulnerable to somebody, be lied to. And then they say, well, I was lying about that. You're right, I was lying about that. But I did that because I didn't want to hurt you, or I just I just couldn't face the truth. I didn't want to believe the truth. Well, I thought it was better if you never found out. You've heard that one. Everybody's heard that one. I thought it would be better if, if, uh, if I could just, you just never find out, it would be better. The truth hurts, but for a while. A lie hurts forever. There's a big difference between blurting out rude and intentionally hurtful thoughts and being truthful, just as there is a difference between gentle tact and gentle lying. You can, no, I don't care how you call it gentle. What you put after gentle, if, if gentle lying, it, it's not gentle. It never will be. It ruins lives. It ruins lives, honest to goodness. I wonder if we're defensive about everyday white lies because we're too lazy. Maybe we're too lazy to find creative ways to, to tell the truth. In love. What if? What A deer just ran by, by the way. You guys missed it. Um, he's over there now. I'm not lying. There he was. There he was. He was the biggest one I've seen back there, too. So, uh, so here's the thing. I, I, I am not immune to the fact that sometimes there is a delicate subject. Now, spouses will do this, right, and that husbands. You know, if, if if your wife says, 
how do you think this looks on me? And you're like, Mm-mm, no, no, that's not a, let's not wear that. Holy moly, that makes you look whatever terrible thing. Don't do that. Don't do that. But don't lie either. You could always put it this way. This is a creative way to tell the truth in love. Uh, that's not my favorite on you. I don't think that does you justice. I think this other dress, you know, looks better. This other, this or that looks better on you. Oh, really? Now, if they get mad at you at that point, what can you do? Then you were going to get mad at, they were going to get mad at you anyway. Tell the truth in love. Best you can. Do it with tact. Try try the best you can. And if you take a beating over it, you take a beating over it. You did your best. Now, we're slow to face the truth of contrast between our character and God's. Aren't we? Well, we don't want to be compared. Look, we don't want to be compared. You ever have this happen? Be compared to somebody who, like, I'll give you an example. Here it is. This is my example. This is off the top of my head. Right? My last name is Greener. My last name is Greener. Like, the grass is always greener. What happens if the rapture comes and Billy Graham is just a few people ahead of me in line? Do you think I want to be behind Billy? Do you think I in any way want to be standing within a few people of Billy Graham or Franklin Graham for that matter? No, I don't. I don't want to stand, I don't want to have to answer up to God after that. No kidding. I really don't. My goodness, man, you know, you don't want to be compared to somebody like that, but everybody's got somebody like that in your life. Everybody's got, and Billy Graham would say, oh, trust me, more than you think. You have no idea. He's a humble man, genuinely and, and sincerely humble. So here's the thing. None of us want to be compared. We don't want to, we don't want to, here on, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be compared to somebody who we know is better than us. we got a better character, they're more truthful, whatever the case may be. Right? When you get your picture taken, if, if you put on a few pounds, you don't want to stand next to the person that's perpetually looked like a model their whole life. And they don't, you know, you're like, I don't want to stand next to them. I want to stand next to so-and-so, right? You want to do that. You don't want to be, you don't want that comparison. It's a silly, simple thing, but it's a real thing. How about character? We're slow to, we don't want to have our character compared to God, but that's actually who we're to be compared with. According to the scriptures, God himself does not lie. Titus 1, 2, check me on it. I'm telling the truth. In his holiness, he is incapable of lying. And as the apostle John put it in 1 John 1, 5, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Lying, listen, I don't know if this ever occurred to you. Lying can't be other than sinful because God himself can't do it. Can't be anything other than a sin because God himself cannot do it. And look, if lying were ever righteous, then there would be something righteous that God can't do. It's clearly not God's plan for people to harbor darkness or deception in their hearts. Even though God might use us when we lie. He might still use us. He has no limitations on him. It doesn't mean we are not sinning when we do lie. Now you think of Rahab. She was commended for, you know, people people like to say, well, but Rahab lied. And, you know, she protected the spies and all that. Are the spies here? Have you seen the spies? Nope. Didn't see them. What do they look like? Whatever she said. I don't know what she said. But, but the bottom line is, is that the fact of the matter is she lied. Now, did she lie for a good reason? Sure she did. Hebrews 11.31, Rahab, look, she, she was commended not for her lying. You need to understand this. She wasn't commended for her lying. She was commended for her great faith. And you can read more about that in Hebrews 11.31. Rahab's good deed was that of welcoming the spies in peace. And by faith, she, she risked her life. She trusted that the spies would later come back and save her and her family, even though she was a harlot. 
Rahab feared the Lord. That was bottom line. She feared the Lord. And people who consistently lie to you or anyone else, they don't fear the Lord. They can talk a good game. I'm telling you, you have some people, I'm trying to get close to God. I'm trying to get close. But if they keep lying to you, guess what? They don't fear God. They absolutely, well, I fear God about this or that. Well, you don't fear God because if you are constantly lying to someone you supposedly love or care about or respect, newsflash, you, you don't care what God says. You don't care what he thinks or feels. It's a big deal. Often when we're being lied to, we don't call the person out on it. This is where Christians come in. People of faith come in. You know, look, anybody in this room has been lied to by a person, not even necessarily in leadership, might be somebody in your church, wherever you go to church around the nation, around the world. And you know, you look at somebody right in the faith, person of faith, telling you a big old fat lie. Or maybe it's not a fat lie. Maybe it's a skinny lie. It's a white lie. But, but the fact of the matter is, you know they're lying to you. But you don't come right to that place and say, hey, man, I don't believe this is true. I just don't believe this is true. You don't call them out because Christians have become wusses, and they're afraid of confrontation. Now, I don't know how Christians became wusses, but let me take you back to the Hebrew culture from which we are to emulate. You don't like Israel all you want. Don't like them all you want. You don't know history. You don't know Scripture. And the fact of the matter is, is that idea of community is why we're here at Kehalah. This is why we are a Kehalah. We're a community of faith, followers of the way. And we're to be honest and truthful with one another. Here's the thing. If a lie happens, somebody looks you in the eye, and you know they're lying, you just kind of chuckle to yourself, or you get a little another stab in your heart. Because I'm telling you right now, it hurts to be lied to. How many ever have had somebody lie to them, and it hurt you? How many have told the people, wow, you're lying to me. You're looking me right in the eye, and you're lying to me. I can't. Why are you lying to me? I don't understand it. How, how many? Yeah, your kids. I know that. They got, they got Oreo cookie all up on their mouth talking about, you're like, did you get an Oreo cookie for dinner when I told you not to? And they got crumbs coming all out their mouth. And no, mama, I don't have no Oreo cookie. Meanwhile, their teeth are all black with a little, yeah, yeah you got to call them out on that. But you laugh afterwards. How many have had somebody lie to them and you didn't confront them? Be honest, and you didn't confront Right. Sometimes it's, it's just less trouble, isn't it? And other times we don't, well, come on, just let it, let it die. Let it, just let it go. Just let it go. It'll be fine. Now you know, don't take everything they said as gospel. And you do that. We've become wusses. We've become afraid of confrontation. And in the process, we don't build real relationships. We don't build real community. We don't build that because when we allow somebody to lie to us or we allow ourselves, I'm pointing at me, to lie, even a little white lie to other people, guess what happens? We weaken the fiber. We weaken the fiber. That it becomes a web of lies that keeps the Christian community together instead of truth. Now, Rahab, here's the cool thing about Rahab. She trusted the living Hashem more than she feared Jericho's king. She trusted God more than she feared Jericho's king. But she didn't trust Hashem to the point of watching how he would save her if she replied to the king and truth. Now, something similar can be said of Corey. Now, she's one of my heroes. How many, how many have been here? Now, the modern society kids, they don't even know who she is. They don't even know who she is or what she did. A hero of mine. I read books about her when I was a kid, and I never left my mind. Corey Tem, she saved countless lives by hiding Jewish people from the Gestapo. She, she, you die. You get shot. You get shot. You get caught hiding Jews back then from the Gestapo. Yeah, you die. They're going to shoot you right where you lay. 
she was heroic. Listen, folks, we can't say anything other about her than she was heroic. But when she lied, she was not imitating God. She was doing what she felt she had to do. She made a choice in that situation. I don't know that many of us would have, a lot of people nowadays, especially with the, with the very ill feelings, this anti-Semitic, uh, the press in America and people in America and other places around the world, listen, if, if you're a Jew right now, and obviously I have close relations to Israel and Jews, uh, my studies all were Hebrew worldview oriented, and so for me, they're a big deal. They're a big deal. Not for nothing, they're a really big deal to God. But you know what? There's so much anti-Semitism going around right now. It seems like it's okay to bash Jews again. And if I were a Jew right now, I'd be, I'd be concerned. I would be concerned. Now, here's the thing. Like many other situations, Corey Tim Boom's situation, very much like others, she was so tangled up in sin because death was on the line. Even though it wasn't her sin, that seems like it just was it her best option to lie? Really? I don't know. I don't know. When your life's dependent on it, when you're trying to save lives, you've got to lie to the evil, evil, evil person over here. I don't know. I'm just saying, think about it. Her life and many other innocent lives hung in the balance right then and there. Every time they came a-knocking, lie, and they live. Tell the truth, and they all die. Corey Ten Boom's case shows it's not that lying is honoring to God, but rather that human circumstances can degenerate into something so depraved because we are such a broken world and there are such evil people out there that lies get mixed in with acts of faith. You need to trust me on this. Let me say this. I'm just going to say this. They talk about leaven. A little bit of leaven ruins the whole, right? Ruins the whole loaf. A bad apple ruins the whole barrel. It's it's that way with lying. Listen, let me give you an example. Well, you know, somebody, you catch somebody in a lie. But in that lie, there was some truth. When you add even a tiny dash of a lie, however insignificant you think it is, when you add a lie to that, guess what? You've ruined the truth. It's no longer truth. It's a lie. Any part of it that can, any part of truth that contains a lie is a lie. And you know what? Apply all the truth you want to a lie. It's still going to be a lie. That's just a fact. To some, the stark conclusion that all forms of lying violate Hashem's holiness will sound unreasonable. To, to some people, they'll say, look, you can't be unreasonable here. That's, it's too black and white, brother. It's too black and white, Dr. Sean. No way. It's too unrealistic. It's dismissive of the intellectual difficulty of the matter at the time. Sometimes you have to, politicians love to say, nuance. You have to nuance things. People all around the country, you're probably friends with somebody like that. You might be married to somebody like that. Your love wife or love husband, they might be like that. You know they're telling you the truth, but it's their version of the truth. And you might be the person that does that. You might be the person that, that tells things that just aren't true. Not all of it's not true, just a small part of it. And you say, but it's too, you've got to nuance some things. You have to nuance it. And I see, for me personally, I see it, the main problem here. I'll just call it out what it is. It's a spiritual problem. And I think we find it hard to confess the evil of lying because we fail to embrace the full goodness of the truth. We, we are less married to the truth in this day and age. The gospel, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Hashem, of Adonai Elohim, the truth of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, the truth of the empty grave is so powerful, the resurrected king, it's so powerful, it's so amazing. But it's less to people nowadays than it was 
probably just a few decades ago, the truth seems, it hasn't lost a bit of its power, but the power within people, the joy and the love of the truth, the embracing of the full truth, it's not like it used to be. Because churches, I talk about this in my book, churches have become married to appearances. Color schemes, the sound system being just right, the temperature being perfect, the lighting being perfect, the worship band being a, you know, just one American Idol, you know, type of deal. Those types of things. What does the pastor wear? Does he wear some hip, trendy, cool? You know, it's been all about that and less about the beauty of the gospel and what it means in our lives. And it, and it condemns us. The truth of the gospel condemns us. We, we are redeemed in the gospel, but if we reject it, guess what? We are condemned by our denial, by our lack of faith. Part of the debate extends to whether or not we can even know the truth. You ever think about that? Can we know the truth? God alone knows with 100% accuracy exactly what the full truth is. But given that we're created in God's image, we are endowed with the ability to know. Even as fallen human beings, we can know what the truth is. There is wisdom in the adage, everybody knows what truth is because everybody knows how to lie. People know what they're willing to know. Now, Dallas Willard, he's echoing the, he said that, uh, echoing the prophet Hosea. Many people are lied to by someone they love, but to acknowledge that lie means they have to acknowledge the truth, and sometimes the truth really hurts. Listen, sometimes you know people are lying to you, just like I mentioned a few minutes ago about that little lie in church, that person that lies to you, that little lie in church, and you don't confront them. But in this, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person that you have made yourself vulnerable to. You have made yourself vulnerable. You've told the full truth about yourself. You have laid bare your wrist, and you have handed them a knife or a gun. I prefer a gun, but whatever, nice pistol, six hours, something like that, or maybe a Springfield Army, whatever. Whatever it is, you've given them that weapon. You've given them that means of harming you. And you've said, look, I am fully vulnerable to you. Please don't lie to me. I can handle the truth, but I'm devastated by a lie. Because that's betrayal. And I'll tell you what, harsh truth, like I said, even a harsh truth, you get over that over time. Sometimes a harsh truth saves you from terrible heartache. Uh, at first, you're heartbroken, right? You're just like, oh, my, I'll never recover. I can't believe that. You know, I, I just can't believe, wow, this is such a painful thing. And then you heal. But the lie, the betrayal, you never hear. That's, you know what it does? It's uh, exponentially. It compounds exponentially, right? You know this. person tells you the truth nine times, and then they lie once. What do you remember? You remember the lie. What are you hurt by, the nine times of the truth or the one time of the lie? That's just a fact, folks. That's why it's so powerful. We know that God would never lied to us. He never will. He never could. That's why we can have full, complete faith in the gospel, because he never lied to us, and he never will. Now, it's no coincidence, for me, it's no coincidence that being truthful about sin was socially prohibited in Hosea's day. Did you know that? Hosea's day, man, you couldn't be truthful about anything. It was a crazy time. The culture was deteriorating, even among God's people, especially among God's people. It was deteriorating. The culture was deteriorating. Society then, and in that group, that community was deteriorating. People were lying to each other, doing horrible things. But I, I just want to say, speaking of deteriorating culture, that's going on today in our world, in our country. Culture, all of it, is deteriorating. 
Likewise, in our decaying civilization, the word sin has become taboo. Preachers don't talk about sin anymore. They don't use the word repent. And, and, and among many Christians, uh, even among Christians who will cry out injustice, you know, this has been a big thing now. There's a lot of denominations that have embraced this. They've, they've embraced this, this uh, we're going to fight for justice among the downtrodden or whoever they deem. It just never seems to be the Jews. They never, they never seem to mind when the Jews are being victimized. It's perfectly okay. But everybody else, oh, well, we've got to help them. We've got to help them. Even those people crying out injustice, they still, you can't call them out for it. In our day, the day in which we live, ironically, we speak of the great need for social justice, but we say little about the repenting of sins. Listen, the sins that we each individually sin, the lies we each individually tell, that is what is deteriorating society. We aren't talking much about the lies that imperil people's safety. We aren't. You say, safety, what are you talking about? All I did was tell them that this or that, or I didn't tell them. I did something that I knew would hurt them. Maybe I'm a little embarrassed of it. So I didn't tell them. Month after month goes by, you don't think it's ever going to come out, and then, boom, what happens? It comes out. And then the person looks at you, go to them, what gives, man? What gives? You told me all along. You were telling me the truth. And now all of a sudden you've told, I, I find out you've been lying all this time. First you started with this lie, and then it became a lie after a lie after a lie to cover the what? The first lie. It's never ending. I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, now I have degrees in counseling and all that stuff, and, you know, doctorate in theology, master theology, all that stuff, but I have degrees in counseling, undergraduate degrees in counseling. And I can tell you this. I tell people all the time, if someone confronts you, and says, I need to know about this. You need to tell me the truth. Don't tell a part truth because you've just compounded the lie. Tell the truth. The whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. And for the love of God and all things holy, don't swear on your life. Don't swear on somebody. Don't swear on a loved one's life. I swear on the life of my son or my daughter. On the, this is one I heard the other day. On the eyes of my mother. you got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Unbelievable. It's painful to be truthful because there's so much to grieve in this shattered, beautiful world. We were given this beautiful, beautiful place, and then we are shattering it. And in order to be truthful, we have to be willing to grieve. That is, to face hard truths that are disappointing and upsetting. I've often quoted, uh, and I don't know if I'm, I'm probably not the person that thought of this. It just is in my head. I don't know where it came from. Grief, the price of love. Grief. The price of love. It's tempting to pretend things are better than they really are. As if the world wasn't in a dire need of Yeshua's salvation. We pretend it's better than it is, but trust me, folks, day by day, especially in the United States, and we've got people listening in Greece, Italy, uh, Germany, UK, Spain. We have people that listen in Barcelona. All over the world. We've got people listening to this right now. They're listening right now all over the world. And they'll tell you, yep, it's happening here too. We are in serious trouble. And you know what? We can lie to ourselves about it. I, I'm reminded of a scene in, 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 in Bar, I think Barcelona was, the, I don't know, Barcelona or a town right there. And it's at the beach, right? You've seen it on television. Uh, there's people at the beach. They're at the beach. It's a beautiful sunny day. Spain is a beautiful country. And they're at the beach, and all of a sudden this boat comes up, or these couple of boats come up, and all these people dressed in black jump out of the boats and run up the beach and run into the country. And the people walking with their kids and, 
you know, they're in their swimsuits and they're going along. I'm on holiday, blah, blah, blah. Nobody goes, hey, what are you doing? Nobody stops to say, hey, maybe these people are bad. Maybe we're being taken over. They just keep walking as a hundred or more people are storming the beaches. Folks, that's denial. That's denial. That is in and of itself a lie we tell ourselves. No, it's fine. It's okay. Everything's fine. I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, they don't want to be stabbed. They don't want to be killed. So they don't engage them. If we just be nice to them, they'll be nice to us. Incorrect and totally untrue. You know what? Sometimes we don't acknowledge the despair in this world. We don't acknowledge how far things have fallen because we don't want to believe how bad things really are. We don't want to feel hopeless. Whatever tempts us most, whether it's a white lie of social convention, a lie embedded in a broken promise, a workplace lie of self-preservation, a lie mixed in with an act of faith, the lie that the world is fine without Yeshua, or the lie that Christ's salvation isn't enough, the temptation to lie is very real. And you know what? Lies as we see, we'll see just in a second, they tend to proliferate. This guy, uh, Budjaseski, Jay Budjaseski, he's the author of What We Can't Know, amazing book mentions the seven degrees of, of, of descent. Sarah Sumner, the author of this author I was referencing here, calls them the seven levels of lying. So I'll call them that. Number one, you lie. This is level one. You're a level one liar. You lie. A single lie can become a match that lights a bonfire. Unless we confess the truth about our lie, we are probably on our way to level two. Now, I know I don't have a ton of time. You self-protect. Level two is you self-protect to tell a lie. What have you always been told? You tell a lie, and then you to lie, and you lie about having lied. If you lie about one thing, it's likely you'll lie about another. That's the thing. Some people say, no, I only tell lies to protect the person I love. I don't want them to be hurt. I say this with my mother all the time. I love my dear mom, but she's all the time trying to protect us. Mom, how are you doing? I'm good. You know, are you warm enough? Are you cold enough? Are you cool enough? I'm fine. I'm good. How are you feeling? She'll get a doctor's report. Maybe that doctor's report isn't good. Don't tell so-and-so. I worry more about what I don't know with people that don't tell you than I do when I know. The truth, I'm telling you, sometimes can be hard, but you never get over being lied to. You never, how are you going to trust somebody again? They lie to you. So you lie, that's level one, and then you self-protect, level two, about the lie. You self-protect the lie. You lie about having lied. Then you lie again. And if you get used to lying about one thing, you'll lie about another. You can't trust somebody. But Shesky puts it this way, lies are weaklings. They need bodyguards. Let me say that again. Lies are weaklings. They need bodyguards, right? The other lies all guard the first lie. This is level three liar. You develop a habit of lying. I told you it was coming. It's already in three. Three steps and you're already an habitual liar. A liar at this level might just out of habit lie about something trivial or of no benefit. They might embellish something. They might embellish something. They don't call it a lie. They call it embellish. Well, I mean, I... What is it the politicians say now? I misremembered. I misremembered. Well, I, that was a misstatement on my part. I misstated that. When, in fact, you know it was a flat-out lie. Starts off about something trivial. They don't benefit at all from it, but yet they still lie. They developed a habit. At level three of lying, they developed a habit. Some people lie about things they have no need or no benefit in lying about. They just lie even though the truth really isn't that bad. Because, and many of us have become so conditioned to lie that they lie. This is level four, you self-deceive. I know you know people like this. I know you do. 
This is, this is, I'm going to see a lot of bobbing heads here in a second. You now believe the lies that you're telling others. You know, so any, who in here knows somebody that lies, lies and lies, and you know what? They believe their lies. You can look at them and you can say, you believe what you're saying. I've raised my hand. I, I have experienced it. And you look at it. Look, I've had the highest level of training among police and the government and all this stuff in truth and deception, discerning truth and deception, all kinds of training. I don't know how much, probably, I don't know, half a million dollars worth. That was kind of my thing. And so when you interview somebody or you interrogate somebody, you're watching for all kinds of things. And you know when that person sits down in front of you, they're lying. Not because you make an assumption. You probably have a mountain of evidence. But you've got to watch them. You've got to listen to them. You've got to look for verbal and physical cues what they're doing. And they're lying to you. Look, you can look at a bad guy and say, well, that guy's probably going to lie. You're interviewing some guy who you are pretty positive committed a murder. Guess what? You, you, all that uh, bovine feces he's slinging at you about how he didn't do it, he doesn't know what you're talking about, you, you know in your head, come on, born at night, not last night. But what if it's that person that you love? What if it's that person that you respect? What if it's that person that you have made yourself vulnerable to and you didn't know they were level one, level two, or level three, and now you've encountered a person that lies at level four, a level four liar that self-deceives so much so that they believe what they're telling you. Listen, friends, when a person lies and they believe their own lies, they are comforted in their own lies, that person is very, very dangerous to be around. That is a person, if you are in a relationship with them, I'll talk more about that in a second, you need to get away from them. You will never help them. Unless and until, unless and until they realize it, they confess it to God, confess it to you, and get real help. Now take note of this. Just because we're deceived honestly and truly by the wiles of our own crookedness doesn't mean we're innocent or exempt from the need to repent. I wanted to say that. Let me say it again. Just because we're deceived honestly and truly by the wiles of our own crookedness, because sometimes some folks, you know some folks, are such good liars, they believe themselves because they're such good liars. They're like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to believe that. Not exempt, folks. You believe your own lies. We're not exempt from, from, from punishment, consequences, or the need to repent. On the cross, Yeshua said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Yeshua's prayer suggests that sins committed unknowingly are still sins in need of forgiveness. Remember what he said, Father, forgive them, for they, they don't know what they're doing. Right? The person tells a lie, they don't even realize any longer that they're lying. But that doesn't mean that that person... Those people that did all those terrible things to Yeshua, including me, I was just as guilty. I'm standing here, I'm just as guilty. His blood is on my hand. And I can tell you this, just because I didn't know what I was doing doesn't mean I don't have consequences to pay. That person in your life that's so so skilled, so married to lying, even if they believe themselves, consequences are coming. It's important to understand that self-deception is self-imposed. Don't miss that. Self-deception is self-imposed. People who deceive themselves deceive themselves. They put them in the place. You say, well, it must be terrible knowing that a lot of people don't believe you. They never say anything to you. You ever, you ever know somebody like that? They'll come into a, a party or, or a gathering, or maybe you, at your work you have a group. You work with a group, a project. You're a manager or a project. You're part of a project. And this person comes into your project. You're like, oh, 
I wish this person wasn't in my project because they are a liar. Are you working on this? Are you caught up on this uh, project? Are you part on this? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. You walk away going, mm, I don't feel confident in that answer. Have you, you know, you know somebody, are, they're responsible for some part of what you're doing, and you're relying on them, and you're trusting them. Hey, have you covered your bases on this? this you've done what you're supposed to do. Yep, sure have. I'm in good shape. Mamas and daddies, you got kids. Hey, have you studied for that test tomorrow? Yep. Well, you can't watch this show until I know for sure you've prepared for that test. Oh, I'm studied up. I'm good to go. What do they do on the school bus on the way? Or, you know, they're trying to read in the shower, you know. You ever get this one? The kids tell you they brush their teeth. You know darn good and well by the, the stank that's coming out of their mouth. You know they didn't brush their teeth. You go up and check their mouth, their toothbrush, and unless they're a magic toothbrushing person that can dry their brush, you know, you feel the brush, it's not even wet. You go down and say, I got this dry brush. Get back up there and brush your teeth. You know, kids do that, right? That's our nature. We start off with it's a fallen world. Starts with that. Guess what it ends up with? Lying to your boss, lying on your resume, lying to your love wife, lying to your love husband, lying to your closest friend. Lying to yourself, lying to God. To be deceived by someone else or shielded from the full truth is not the same as self-deception. Self-deception is a vice. Somebody self-deceives, that is a vice. And it is something for which treatment is required. You say, oh, come on, I'll just say I'm sorry and be on about it. No need to wreck my life here. No need to wreck my life. No need to spill the beans. Because if I do, guess what happens? Everything falls apart. Eventually, it will anyway, and it'll be much worse, and you'll leave a trail, pain and hurt. Pontius Pilate, self-deceived by telling himself that truth is inaccessible. What did he say? When face-to-face with Christ, Pilate guardedly asked, what is truth? Pilate had a motive for not wanting to know the truth. He didn't want to know. He wasn't willing to be seen in the light of the truth of his own cowardice. He was a coward, and he didn't want to admit it. Pilate's very question was pitted against the truth of his own poor character in contrast. To the innocence of Jesus. Now let's move on. Level four. At level four, a person enters into denial. He or she stops looking at their own self-miscalibrated internal moral compass, and therefore they cease to feel anything anymore, including guilt. I'm telling you this. When a person is here, I'm telling you this as sure as I'm standing here. When a person is at level four, when they have entered into denial, total and complete denial about themselves, only God can help them. I kid you not. Only God can help them. Get away as fast as you can from a person like this. Even as I speak, I know that there are people listening around the world who know someone like this, or maybe you are a person like this. Maybe for the first time in your life, you are looking at yourself saying, that's me. Consider this. This is a true story. I wrote this. Always seek to remember, grasshopper. Now, I didn't write this first part. This is a saying. Always seek to remember, grasshopper. Success is getting what you want, but happiness is wanting what you get. This is free, hard-earned advice from Dr. Sean. It isn't that some folks don't have enough this or that. It's that they'll never be happy with anything, no matter what or who or how it is. If there are people in your life who are just never happy with anything, with anyone, jettison them from your life. Do it today. Do it now. Don't wait. The hard truth is this, and it, it, you need to understand, it's not ambition that they have. People say, oh, I'm never happy. You know, I'm just always trying to improve my life. I'm never happy because I always want to improve. It's not that. It's not ambition. It's perpetual ingratitude. They'll never trust God. They may talk about God. 
I want to get close to God. I want to have a relationship with God. I, I just want to, you know, get right with God. That's a fun thing. Get right with God. I'm getting right with God. Trust me on this. They'll never trust God. They'll never trust God. They'll never trust you, and you should never trust them. And here's another fact. They'll never be happy. I don't care what God gives them. I don't care what you give them. I don't care what you do. They will never be happy. They'll never be happy with God, and they'll never be happy with you. And guess what? They will always blame someone else. And if you are the closest, I said this last week, if you are the closest one to them, they'll blame you. They'll never bring joy into your life. They'll only bring heartache. They'll be unfaithful in every way to you and everyone else who loves them. You'll never make them happy. You will never heal them. Only God can do that. They'll never be happy, and they'll see to it that you'll never be happy either. You can't trust someone who is never happy with anything. Those are the people, the perpetually aggrieved, lie and lie and lie and lie. They never stop lying. Usually the perpetually unhappy and always aggrieved actually end up having a much better life than most people do. You ever notice that? person's always unhappy. You look at their life and you start looking at it. You go, hold on a second. You got a nice car, new car. You got a, a nice, beautiful place to live. You got a good job. Maybe it's not your fave, but it's a job. They pay you every week, every two weeks, whatever. Nobody's forcing you to dig ditches or you know, carry 75-pound blocks in each hand and lay block in the terrible heat or the freezing cold. Nobody's asking you to do any of that. And yet they're never happy. They have a better life than most. It's a bucket full of crazy right there. And you've got to stay away from buckets full of crazy, no matter what they look like on the outside. See, sometimes folks can look pretty normal because of how they look, because of their appearance. They may be attractive. If they're like this, you've got to stay away from them. I'm telling you right now, you've got to trust your gut. You have a choice, and it's up to you. That's free advice, worth it at twice the price. Level number five, you rationalize. I'm hurrying. You rationalize. Now, you not only believe the lies are not lies, you justify the lies as a positive. We talked a little bit about this before. Now the lying is not just part of normal life, but lying in many cases, let's pick commerce, pick business, just for fun. It's seen as a virtue. It helps the company grow. It saves jobs, and on and on and on. Well, we lie to keep the company afloat a little bit longer till we can Get the balance sheet a little bit better. And in personal life, let me tell you this. In personal life, the line keeps you you're for all eternity. We're talking about mates, relationships here where you're really, really, really vulnerable. Because in, in a, a relationship like that, you're vulnerable. I'm telling you, you are vulnerable. You had better be vulnerable or you're not doing it right. The line keeps your for all eternity mate from knowing that you are seeing other people while swearing to God on the eyes of your children that you are as trustworthy as the atomic clock is accurate. But you know, and your mate knows, and everybody else really knows, that you aren't even as trustworthy as Kim Jong-un's hairstylist opinion of your haircut. That guy's haircuts, right? But you know his haircuts. Yes, this looks good, dear leader. Good haircut, good haircut. This person at this level cannot be trusted as a mate. They cannot be trusted as an employer. They cannot be trusted as an employee, as a friend, or as a parent. If a person lies habitually but doesn't see themselves as a liar, they are more dangerous than they look. I don't care how good they look, they are dangerous. They may look like a delicate flower, but the petals are only cover for the thorns. In fact, this is the type of lying, uh, this, this lying thinking that contributed to the scandals at Enron and WorldCom. Remember that? Two, 2007 
uh, subprime housing debacle. It was a bunch of lies. Everything was built on a bunch of lies. Level five lying is especially tempting at the leadership level. Uh, Sarah Sumner, I don't know if you guys know, but she, she actually, uh, she was a dean at the A.W. Tozer Seminary. Uh, one of Sumner's mentor, mentors warned her to be careful in taking on the deanship at A.W. Tozer Theological Seminary. He said to Sarah, the higher up you go in an organization, the harder it is to tell the truth. A lot of times the lie is justified for the sake of the institution or some other larger good. Let me tell you this too. Level five lies happen in the personal realm too. Not just in business. Level five lies happen in the personal realm. You just don't understand, says the serial adulteress. My love husband and I have never had a real marriage. I had 24 years of cohabitation and child rearing, but nothing like what I have with my new lover. He and I are experiencing real love for the very first time. This is not adultery it's real for all eternity love and they'll be pretty convincing lying to ourselves first then to the people who love us this is the path to destruction not just that person who is lying not just to the person who is believing the lies but to everyone this is what is killing our society level six now you're not going to like this i'm telling you i know this for a fact i learned this the government spent a lot of money teaching me how to recognize this professional liars you develop your technique you say hmm oh, i got by with this and then you you intentionally hone your lies the first thing you have to do is compartmentalize you start isolating statements ignoring what was said in other contexts level 6 liars are often found in the upper echelons of bureaucracy level 6 liars are often political figures a level 6 liar might smoothly move from one constituent to the other saying each of these things, I'm going to give you some things. Swearing to God on the eyes of their child in each of the instances that they're telling the truth. This institution is going to stay true to our stated core values, and then they violate them. Please don't pay attention to our stated core values. These were written by a committee who no longer works here. Core values reside in people. It really doesn't matter what is stated on paper. Don't let those stated values stop you from giving. It's, been, it's long been public knowledge that I myself disagree with three or four of them. And then my favorite, I can assure you that our stated core values serve as our guiding compass. How many times have you heard that come out of the mouth of somebody and then all of a sudden you find out that organization's been cheating their employees, their lenders, their customers, everybody. Here's level seven. I told you there were seven. Here's the last one. You see it as your duty to lie. You see it as your duty and your responsibility to lie. Level seven, lying flips duty on its head and it makes lying Mandatory. For example, in a dysfunctional family that operates at level seven, grown siblings might kowtow to a parent for the sake of keeping dark family secrets hidden. I can tell you, I know lots of families like this. Lots of families. In my family, in my family, you just didn't speak of something. You just lay low. My mother's advice to me was actually good advice. Uh, I was boarding the bus to go to the military. 13 days after graduation, standing on a bus, about to go on the longest day of my life. And she said, just keep it cool. No matter what they say about me or your family or other loved ones, the drill instructors are just trying to protect you. They're just trying to help you be strong. They're just trying to weed out the weak. Don't pay any attention to them. Don't worry about what they say about me. Don't get mad. They're lying to make you strong. I remember that. I remember that. But then there's the, the people that you run across in your life that, there's terrible dark secrets. I, I'm thinking of somebody right now. Terrible dark secrets in their life. I, I helped a friend deal with that this week 
on the phone, what to do in this circumstance. Something happened. The person lied. The person did several bad things, affected young, young girls, and, and uh, it was a bad deal. It involved a church and trust and all of those things. And I'm telling you, I said, you got to go straight after it. Don't dance around it. Don't let it be some, you know, real churchy thing. You get in there and get after it. Get after the truth and expect nothing less. Sometimes dark, dark secrets are hidden. In an organizational life, level seven executives repeat corporate lies and they say to the lieutenants, be aware of self-anointed whistleblowers. They are critical and self-righteous. This is what they do. They, they make the whistleblower tell them the truth about their lie, the bad guy. Level seven liars stone the prophets, John 16, 2. Because people are created in the image of God, we can't simply lie without trying to seem truthful in some way. Remember what I said, there's always some amount of truth, right? That liar will, uh, they'll weave truth in there and they'll be, look, I'm confessing to you this or that. I, I'm coming clean. This is the truth. You know, in the case of a, a person who, we'll use a, I don't know, we'll just pick one. We'll use the, the spouse and you suspect the spouse of, of cheating or whatever. You say, well, what happened? What happened? Well, I was just sitting on the stands and he leaned over and kissed me. I didn't even know. I wasn't expected. Well, what did you do? Nothing. I mean, I was shocked. I was, I couldn't believe it. Then you find out they've been in a relationship for a long time, went way further than that, and that ain't how it happened in the first place. But they said, but I confess to you. I told you. I told you about it. No, you told me another lie. And someone, when they apologize to you or confess to you, and there's still a bucket of lies, it is still a lie, and you cannot trust that person. That explains why level five liars take pains to rationalize their thinking, and level seven liars assume the pseudo-upright posture of being dutiful. See, the thing is, the level five person, they rationalize everything. But once you get to level seven as a liar, you assume you have, look, it's, I've got to do this. This is my duty. Here's truth in the Antichrist right here. Truth in the Antichrist. God's disdain for lying isn't whimsical. Proverbs 12:22. I, I love this. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Lying is sinful, not merely because the Bible says it's wrong. I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people. The Bible says lying is wrong because untruth violates truth. That's why. Since Yeshua is the truth, it is anti-Christ to lie. And if everybody lied all the time, there would be only chaos. Absolutely only chaos. It's the only thing that could exist. If everybody lies all the time, it is chaos. No one is trustworthy. No one is trusting. Nothing. Nobody trusts you, and nobody can be trusted. God's way is for we people, in the church especially, starting here, to dwell together with each other in community and also in communion with God. When we lie, we breach our connection to other people and we violate our relationship with god if you let yourself lie once for whatever the deluded reasons are that you made up to yourself make yourself feel better about lying you'll lie for the rest of your life unless you get to the truth and you get real with god and the people you lie to and you get real help anything else is pretend and it leads straight to ruin i'm telling you i'm not kidding you on this let me ask you for real here i asked you before but now i've described all these levels i'm going to ask you again have you ever been lied to, then told the liar can be trusted. The liar said, no, you can trust me. All right, I lied. You're right, but you can trust me. Only to lie to you again, to lie to you again, and then again. Was it fool me once? Shame on you. Fool me twice? Shame on me. 
That kind of lying is on a whole other level. And the fact is, just like the devil doesn't have horns, this person doesn't either. God wants us to be truthful as a way of cultivating our closeness, not only with him, but also with other people that we can enjoy. Back to the look man. Look man, you can't really trust someone ever again if a person you love and are vulnerable to habitually lies to you. You can't do it. Maybe they have a mental or emotional illness that contributes to this propensity to lie instead of being truthful, no matter the cost. If they're sincerely getting real help, though, this is the difference. If they're sincerely getting real help for their hurts, habits, and hangups, because we all have these, and they are in communion with God and you, perhaps this person is salvageable. But at this point, it's only God that will do it. Pastor Bill Hybels, nobody really talks about him that much anymore, but I'll talk about him here. He said something to the effect that pastors who journal don't fail. I'm looking back at myself now. I've started this in earnest. I have this program that pops up and reminds me, pastors who journal don't fall. That statement makes sense to me because journaling is a means of telling oneself the truth, unless what you write is a lie. There's no point in typing out, like I type mine because it's electronic because I can't really write very well. If you lie to yourself in your own journal, my goodness, folks, things are bad at that point. If you're lying to yourself in your own journal, that is the place to be real and to be truthful. And Pastor Bill Hybels, one of the greatest pastors of all time, said, pastors, you must journal. As long as we don't lie to ourselves, we can manage to stay out of level four. But in order to stay out of level three and level two, we need people to confess to. Man, this is important. Do you have anyone in your life that you can be totally raw, real you? Unconditional love. They will hear you. They will listen, and they will hear you, and they will love you. But they will not lie to you. They won't tell you, ah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. No big deal. Everybody does it. They, they may approach you with some, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Someone to help keep you accountable. When we lie at level one, which is what people who love each other, you, you've got to try to do this. You, if, if you really love the people in your life, your, your, your spouse, whoever this person is that you're, you're really the closest to, if you really love them, be truthful to them. Or if it stays in any of these levels, one through seven, you will end up hating and hurting because of this person the rest of your life. And, of course, we daily can seek the truth by echoing the prayer of King David. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense, uh, offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Now, I want to say this in closing, and I'm saying this for a reason. Um, our friend Chris Ann Hall, you guys, she's been here. I've known her for years. Uh, we did a, a, apple, uh, a apple seed project together. and, and uh, We've interfaced a lot over the years, and I really, really think the world of her. She's she's a fighter. She's in it to win it, and at all costs. I mean, she's taking the slings and arrows. She said something the other day in social media that I wanted to share with you, and I want to share it because of this reason. Many people, I'll read this, and then and then you'll get the point. I am getting messages from people all over America. People are feeling discouraged, overwhelmed, and out of control over the attacks upon history. Please allow me to humbly provide a word of encouragement for those who want to be a part of the solution. Saturate yourself in truth and then speak that truth with passion and love. Dark things of this world may have their day, but truth and love are eternal. Do not try to change the world. That is impossible. However, simply do what you can 
to influence those around you. And you may discover in the end you have changed the world in the process by influencing the minds of a few. Cultures change one mind at a time. That is not a battle for a monument. This is not a battle for monuments. This is a war between truth and lies. It is about using history to make ourselves wiser, not destroying history because we are ignorant. This is not about today. It is about a greater tomorrow. And when all else fails, stand and defend truth. It's all our posterity can ask of us, although they deserve so much more. You can learn more about Chris Ann Hall at libertyfirstuniversity.com. Here's why that struck me. You say, well, how does that tether to what you just talked about? You spent a whole lot of time about lying. Folks, there's a lot of people out there lying about our history. There's a lot of people out there lying about who they really are and what they really intend. The reason why so many people fall for their lies is because they don't recognize truth any longer. And that, my friends, is a serious problem that the only way we defeat it, the only way we defeat it is to tell the truth. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.